This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. This is Tech Fan number 14. Today we're talking about stolen iPads, the age of iTunes, and the new way of reading electronic books. Welcome to Tech Fan number 14. I am Tim Robertson, broadcasting, well, not live, but well, it's live when I'm recording it, just not live when you're listening to it. You're alive. <laughs> At least I hope you are. I, I am. I'm still alive. Although, yeah. uh, after my stupidity on Tuesday, that's, oy. I, I guess we could start there. Uh, my co-host for today, David Cohen. Welcome, David. Hello. It's uh, always a pleasure, man. It's just, yep. it's just a nice uh, feeling knowing that you're coming up, and uh, I'm sitting here on Skype waiting for you to to launch your application, and we could start chatting, and I know we're going to record a tech fan. It's just a nice feeling. I like it. Oh, it's definitely a highlight of my Friday afternoons. It's, uh, you know, we've been podcasting a long time, whether it's, you know, the MyMac show or the tech fan show. I actually had you on OWC Radio towards the end there, um, and or... Geekiest show ever. You've been on that a number of times. Yeah. Um, we've been podcasting a long time, David, and uh, I am uh, I still really enjoy it. So I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. It's always um, it's always fun to get things off your chest, and you know, there's a lot going on the internet and uh, in the tech industry nowadays, and there's kind of a lot of stuff thrown at us all the time, um, and I enjoy the opportunity to talk it through with somebody else. Yeah, um, I do too. Rather than, I mean, Twitter and and blogs and comments and you can't and really get a good time. point through. No, you can't you really. Can't. You can't expand upon it. You can't. Yeah, there's so much. There's so much kind of non-verbal stuff that that's in the tone of your voice. And I mean, with video, it's even better when you can actually see people. But uh, it's it's good to be able to talk these things through and um, understand what other people's perspectives are. So. I mentioned my stupidity on Tuesday. I don't know how, don't know how stupid it was. I mean, I mean it wasn't, no, it was it wasn't really the sort of thing that, that you had a kind of a lot of time for a measured thought about. Well, and that's, the, that's kind of the issue. Yeah. So uh, let me back up. Uh, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you know I am uh, the COO of Mac Specialist. It's an Apple reseller. We do training, we do service, um, sales, business to business in Chicago, Illinois, in Villa Park, Illinois. So we've got two locations. On Tuesday, I was was it? No, wait a minute. Was it Tuesday? I'm sorry. It was uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday. I've been getting that wrong this morning. On Wednesday, I was in our Chicago facility, and things were going pretty well. And I was in our training room. There wasn't a class going on because I had a meeting with a real nice lady from a bank who was very interested in uh, working with us on some other things, which who cares? And I heard this weird warbling alarm sound, and she kind of looked at me, and I said, I think it's the alarm on our iPad display. Now, on iPads, when you see them in the Apple Store, it's got a cord going to it other than, you know, the power. And yeah, that's an alarm. They have something kind of glued to the back, don't they? Right. And those things come off pretty easily, but a, a shrieking alarm goes off if you mess with it. So I heard this alarm, and then it went off shortly thereafter. So I thought, okay, there's enough people upstairs. I probably don't need to go check out what's going on. Finished up my meeting with this lady, went upstairs, and there's two gentlemen, younger guys, um, messing with the iPads. They're playing with them, basically, using them. I don't think much of it, but they kind of looked a little shifty to me. You get that yes. feeling. You know what I mean, David? Yeah, some, and, and sometimes that can be completely unwarranted because there are some people who have differing standards of dress and personal hygiene, and you try not to judge people by the way they look, but sometimes they just kind of look a bit dodgy. Yeah, and one of them kept looking around without moving his head. Right. And I thought, oh, there's something not right about these two guys. I'm going to keep an eye on them. So they were there for quite a while. And I was dealing with another customer 
um, who's actually he, – he listens to a lot of podcasts, but he has never listened to the MyMac shows. So hopefully he's listening to this. His name was Bob. Real nice guy too. And hey, he, Bob. Starring he, role in this. this <laughs> he is. He is actually. You've seen him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm dealing with a customer on the phone at this point. And I had just gone back to the offices, and you can actually see this in the video, David. I walk into my office to get my computer, and there's three or four guys sitting in there, and I say, these two guys out here are trying really hard to steal our iPads. Yeah. I walk back to the back counter, set my computer down. I'm finishing up with a customer, and then I'm going to go kick these guys out of the store. Yeah. That's when the alarms go off. These two guys rip the iPods completely out of the little kiosk display and bolt for the door. Now, I should say, if you guys want to see this, that's listening, go up to YouTube and look for user MyMacPro. If you find user MyMacPro, M-Y-M-A-C-P-R-O, you will find this video, and it's called Two iPad Thieves. And another guy that works with me, uh, his name is Don, and Don is a very a recent hire as well. I like Don a lot. He's great. You'd like him as yeah. well. We both, without saying a word, bolt after these guys. <laughs> From the video, I mean, obviously, it's kind of that choppy security cam video, so it, it's not like full, uh, you know, 30 frames a second, but it just looks like you two guys are absolutely booking it. I mean... <laughs> Gotta say, Tim, you know, you you and I are both uh, of of a middling age, yes, uh, and not not the most felt people in no. the world. And I didn't know you could move that fast. I used to be very <laughs> athletic, David. <laughs> I hit thirty five, and everything metabolism wise kind of slowed down, and other things kind of got larger than I would like. But yeah, no, I used to be very. I, I was, right. and I'll be honest, I'm still very fast when I run. But I'm well, like, a, but I'm like a dragster. Yeah. I'm like a drag, dragster. Yeah. I can go really fast for short bursts, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I am not a marathon runner, but for short bursts, I'm good. Yeah. And, and so we we go after these guys, and I almost collide with the display itself. I don't know if you see that in the second part of the video. Yeah. <laughs> that I kind of do my little. Uh, for the Americans, you'll understand this reference. My Barry Sanders move, where I kind of kind of swivel my hips around as I go around the display at the last second, um, and then I almost take a tumble when I get outside the door. I stepped on a piece of ice, and I didn't fall, yeah. but I came darn close. So yeah. Don goes left out the door after his guy. I go right out the door oh, after right. my so guy. They, they split up. They split they? up. Yes. All right. So I'm closer to the corner than Don and his guy are. Yeah. So my guy goes around the corner, and I go flying after him. I don't have tennis shoes or sneakers on. I have, you know, nice shoes on. Yeah. (laughs) So I go flying around the corner, and I'm actually starting to gain on the guy a little bit. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I can catch this guy. And then something dawned on me, David. Yeah. What what then? (laughs) It dawned on me that... Oh yeah, I'm a f- almost a 41 year old, slightly overweight smoker, and uh, that's what I put the brakes on. <laughs> and I also thought, what am I going to do if I catch the guy, beat the crap out of him? Yeah, I'd probably get sued. Because, well, not only that, I would imagine there's good chances are that if you got close to him and he thought he was going to get caught, he's going to dump the iPad anyway. In which case. Right. The iPad's going to get broken. Yep. Uh, and 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 yeah, you're right. Much as as everybody uh, with a, with a decent moral character wants to right or wrong and you know catch a bad guy and that sort of thing, <laughs> it's not worth getting uh, you know stabbed or beat up over or anything like no, that for something that's yeah. for something that's you know is is we have insurance. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, so, I, so, it's it was so, pure instinct when those alarms went off and those guys bolted for the door. Neither Don nor I even stopped to think about it. We just bolted after him. It was so pure how instinct. Did, how did Don make out? About the same. He got around the yeah. other corner. Uh, he chased him a little bit farther than I did. Dan, Don's probably 12, 13 years younger than me. Yeah. And uh, when he got down to the next block, he saw the two guys meet up. Yeah. Uh, about a half a block down, and that's when he stopped because he realized, uh, even if I catch them, now there's two of them and sure, one of yeah. me. 
And, uh, yeah, so Don sent me a text. There's more to this because I, I got the video, but... Well, I was going to say, the video looks like it's fairly clear. I mean, it you is. Can imagine the cops going to be able to, if they ever catch up with these guys, ID them. Um, I hope so. That would be nice. I'm not going to hold yeah. my breath. Yeah. Uh, Don sent me this um, this morning as a text. My mom heard about the store on the radio yesterday morning. <laughs> so this made the local Chicago news. Uh, before I left Chicago yesterday, yesterday being Thursday, and this was after I had posted it up on YouTube, um, a big station in Chicago, WGN News, actually called me wanting to know if I'll do an on-camera interview about this. Yeah. And uh, I said no. Well, I said yes, but they had to get there within a couple hours because I was leaving and they yeah. didn't get there in time so i didn't do it the interview or anything i don't know if they still showed up at the store or not but i wasn't going to stand around all day and wait um no. it's funny though this the so i posted the video but here's getting back to the tech angle uh i could only view this okay i'll back up it records it on this uh dvr type of thing right mm-hmm. and to get it off of this, it's a ADT security system made by Tyco. You have to burn a CDR. You can't burn it to DVD. It has to burn to CD, right. a CD video. So we do that. I bring it to my laptop, my MacBook Pro, which you can also see in the video me carrying. And I load it up, and it comes across as an EXE, executable file. I was like, oh, well, this is crap. So I reboot my machine into Windows 7 because I've got yeah. Boot Camp, load the disk, copy it to my Windows desktop, and launch it. Well, it's an ADT security wrapper, almost like yeah. a Flash player wrapped around the video. But I was still hoping I could convert this thing with um, Handbrake for Windows. Yeah. Didn't, didn't work. The only way I can get a copy of this that I could figure in the short amount of time that I had to work on the problem was to do a screen capture. And that's why you see the screen capture watermark in the video in the upper yeah. left-hand corner because I wasn't about to spend money on a, a window, a piece of Windows software that I'm going to use once. I just use it under the restrictions of it puts a watermark on the video. But isn't, isn't that annoying? It, it very much is. I mean, you buy a system... The, the reason you want a security system with with DVR is so that when you need to, you can give the video to the police so that they can hopefully catch the perpetrators. And let's face it, with all of these things, um, you know, time is a factor. You want, you know, when the cop shows up, you don't want to be messing around with video formats or anything. You want to be able to give him the evidence he needs. Absolutely. To go away and hopefully finger the perp. And to me, the fact that, that they have a, you know, have gone to so much presumably technical effort to write um, a system that does it in that way rather than something that's open. Purposely can, blocking uh, yeah. you from using that video for any other purpose. Well, well, I'm, maybe their argument is, well, this kind of removes the technicality of um, video conversion to people, you know, who might not know how to open videos and that sort of thing. But please... That, I would imagine that would be ADT's line saying, well, this, this means you don't need to be technical in order to view the video and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but frankly, I mean, I mean, for, for a start, CD video. I mean, exactly. It's 2011. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. CD video, really? Really? There's the CD you know, video? Why don't yeah. go the whole hog and, whole hog and have it on uh, you know, eight, uh, eight inch videotape? Yeah, yeah. V- <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, so I, I, I captured the screen, uh, the window anyways, in Windows, and I saved that capture as an AVI file, because that's the only format it recorded it in, this little screen capture utility, yeah. to my Dropbox, which I also have on my Windows partition. Rebooted into the Mac, copied over this AVI file to Handbrake, converted it to a .move, and then uploaded it to YouTube. So what a bunch of crap that I had to jump through just to get a copy of the video in an actual video format. Mm. Ugh, just a nightmare. Yeah, as I say, I just, you know, I I do a lot of work in the UK public sector and and CCTV is some, I mean, 
the UK is famous for the amount of CCTV we have. Yes. The first thing any cop will do um, when they're faced with this sort of crime is they'll find out whether there's any cameras covering um, the area where things happen. They'll go and try and find the video. And, I, and I've been told by working police officers they get frustrated that within their own police stations they don't have access to unlock computers that allow them to um they, they get video all the time now in usb and uh and you know sd card type formats and they need to be able to view it manipulate it and share it so that they can hopefully catch these guys funnily enough i i, I was with a colleague yesterday and i told him about what happened he also is a recent ipad owner um and i said to him he had his with him yesterday so did i i said said oh you've got 3g on there i, th- I thought you had a wi-fi up and he said well this is the second one i've had and wow. he had his he had his stolen he was on a train and he had his ipad in a stack of documents uh and the he was working and the train came into the station and he picked up his stuff and got off the train and realized he'd left this pile of documents with his ipad in the middle of them um on the train the train had terminated the station so it was he this was literally only 5 minutes after uh, the train had had he got on off the train and he realized he hadn't picked these documents up so he went back looked on the train they weren't there so he went to speak to the station manager who uh, said oh yeah no we have them they they've been turned in uh, gave him the stack of documents cuz no iPad there <laughs> right so literally within 10 minutes the iPad has disappeared and and he's thinking, well, uh, you know, this is kind of weird because I can't imagine anybody picked it up on the train because they wouldn't have seen it because it was in the middle of this pile of documents. Anyway, um, he obviously reported it stolen to the police. And uh, a, a couple of weeks afterwards, he actually got a call from the police officers running the case who said, yeah, we've, um, we've captured the guy who stole it. He doesn't have it anymore, but we have it. And it turns out what happened, the, uh, a cleaner on the, pl- on the train, the train terminates and the cleaner goes on and, and picks up all the, uh, you know, all the rubbish and everything. Sure. Had found, had found the documents with the iPad in the middle, and they had CCTV of him standing on the platform, going through the documents, pulling the iPad out, and putting it inside his coat pocket, and then going <laughs> to hand in the, uh, hand in the documents. So, but he had um, sold it before the cops. Well, well, obviously, yeah. He, he I mean, by the by the time by the time they caught up with him and arrested him for it, he it was no longer in his possession. So this was, uh, so the guy got the. Uh, got the 3g ipad with the assurance money <laughs> but uh but nevertheless you know it was another we were just laughing about it because another case where cctv was involved in an ipad there yeah a lot of people have uh asked me oh by the way this also made it up on the front page of uh, the unofficial apple weblog steve sandy posted a copy of the video cool so that's kind of neat um yeah i hope the guys are caught and, uh, yeah, I take it you didn't have fun my find my iPhone. Well, there were demo units, and to to initialize that, you have to register the unit. Ah, uh, right. So right. yeah, it really wasn't an option. Um, they clearly say that they're demo units on the outside, but I don't think the crackheads who you know are selling it really care about that. And no. anybody buying it's not going to be like, oh, I can't buy this. This is a demo unit. So yeah, it's just one of those things. It's they're gone. We'll get insurance money and replace them. But still, um, kind of a funny video. If you guys want to check it out, uh, go up to YouTube. And you could probably just do a search for two iPad thieves, and you'll find it. And I'm the guy in the uh, tan coat. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I called you the tan hornet. The tan hornet. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about iTunes. It's the 10th birthday. Greetings. It's Guy. And Gaz, the G-Men from the MyMac.com podcast. Our podcast has been going strong since 2004, talking about all things Mac and Apple. With great guests and listener invites, so there's never a dull moment. The MyMac.com podcast, irrelevantly relevant. Find us on iTunes, just do a search in the podcast section with MyMac. Subscribe and prepare to be entertained. So, David, 10 years ago, uh, a pretty milestone event, and this was before Apple even released Mac OS X, but Apple bought a program. I think they actually bought the entire company, Cassidy and Green. But they got this piece of software called SoundJam MP, which was actually, basically, it allowed you to kind of put your MP3s in a library and 
you know, work with it that way rather than you just have a folder full of MP3s. Yeah. And it's been so long since I've used SoundJam MP. I'm going to see if I can find a screen capture of it real quick. Oh, yes, there it is. Wow. I haven't seen that picture in a long time. Uh, I loved SoundJam MP at the time. And I right. remember they sent me a copy for review, and I was ecstatic. It was just fantastic. But, of course, Apple bought them out. Um, let's see. In early 2000, Apple's blah, 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 blah. Approached Panic, developers of SoundJam. Audion attempted to, uh, yeah, 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 whatever. Anyway, SoundJam basically became iTunes. Right. And it is a much better name. SoundJam just sounds a little nasty. Sound jam. Well, and, and given, I mean, everyone is always criticizing iTunes, saying, "Oh, what is it called? Tunes? You know, it doesn't do just music anymore." Well, initially, but sound jam would have been even worse. If, yes. For that, for that well, initially, that is all iTunes did. It was yeah. only about music. So the first version came out in uh, January of two thousand and one, and it was a Mac-only program, obviously at first. And it only and it worked. Was OS nine. It was OS nine. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, the first version of iTunes was based on the SoundJam MP3 code. They just made it look different. But that being said, if you look at iTunes in two thousand and one, take away the store and all that stuff, it's kind of very, very similar to what we have today. I mean, it's it wouldn't be foreign to you at all, David. I mean, you would no. jump right in and start using and go, "Yep, this is iTunes." Mm-hmm. So even though the functionality has increased tenfold, the basic concepts are still the same. The first version that worked with OS X, it came bundled with Mac OS 10.0. Uh, it didn't happen until March of that year. So the first version for a couple months was OS 9 only, but that was because there was no OS 10 that you could actually have. And, and that version 2 for OS 10 was the first one that had iPod support. Because there was no iPods until yeah. October of 2001. One of what the, I, go ahead. What I was saying, what what I find interesting about, uh, I mean, back then there was a there was a pile of programs that did a similar sort of job. Um, you know, I mean, on the Windows side there was uh, uh, what was it called now? The um, I don't know. No, I'm just trying to remember what it was. It was the one everybody used on Windows back then. Oh, um, yes, I do know what you're you talking about. You know the one about. I mean? Yes, I do. I kind of like a kind of really tiny little window. Yes. Yeah, and it, and, and it you could skin it. That was the big thing. Skin it. it. Like yes. Winamp. 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 Yep. That's right. And That's Winamp right. was the one that everyone used. And and on Windows, the the idea of cataloging and archiving your music inside the program was kind of alien. Yep. You know, people would kind of put their music in folders and then they would use a program like Winamp to kind of navigate and play what they wanted to do. iTunes to, uh, or, or SoundJam took the different approach. It was a database. So not only, and it's still like that today, there's a database file, an XML file that actually contains all the details of your music and then it references files within a folder structure. <laughs> of course, what people rapidly came to realize with iTunes is that by having that database, it makes it much, much easier to navigate your music, and you can do very fast searching and that sort of thing, which you can't do um, using a folder-based structure and the program kind of sat over the top. And, of course, once you've got a, a separate deploy- player device that you want to sync to that, then it kind of all makes sense. And it, like many things Apple, it's kind of a it's a ecosystem that kind of one thing on its own probably won't be as successful as bringing the things together and making them all work. But remember, though, initially syncing wasn't part of the iTunes vocabulary because there was nothing to sync it to. Yeah. The big thing with iTunes at the beginning was you could organize and create your playlists, kind of like a mixtape, if you will, yeah. and you could burn it to a CD. I can't tell That's you... Right. In fact, just recently, within the last year, I went through, I've got this uh, spindle full of CDs and uh, and blank DVDs with stuff that I've copied to them over the years, you know, when I was doing archives and all that fun stuff. I can't tell you how many burnt CDs that I found that's like best of the 80s or (laughs) Metallica's greatest hits, you know. And there was something about burning the CD and then listening to it somewhere else. That this was your music, but it's on a CD that was so kind of fresh and new. 
Well, that that was the thing. It was it was a real personalization of music. I mean, we we'd been doing this for years with tape, but with tape, what you you tended to do, you either had a you know a tape to tape device where you could record from one to another. Alternatively, you recorded the music you wanted off the radio. You'd sit there listening to the radio. This is what, something what I did. You sit there listening to the radio, particularly if it was a, like a, a top forty type show, and you'd record the songs you wanted on the tape. And always miss the first kind of few together. seconds. Of course, you miss the first few seconds. You get the the DJ budding in and all that sort of thing. But it it meant you had a personal uh, list of tracks of music that you kind of really liked. Well, it was a big thing for me in the eighties to make other people mixtapes. Yeah. And you know. Especially your girlfriends, you'd make them their special little tape, and it's basically yeah. the same songs that you put on the last girlfriend's mixtape. <laughs> and I couldn't uh, possibly comment about doing yes, that. no, of course not. And uh, these, uh, these are the ones that get the girls every time. Absolutely, because <laughs> we were Mac daddies. That's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> but burning the CDs uh, from iTunes was a big deal. Absolutely. And when in the same year, uh, I think it was version like 1.1, 1.2, somewhere in there. No, it was 1.1. What was cool is Apple finally – remember, this is 2001. Not every Mac had a built-in CD burner. So a lot of people had external burners. And the first version of iTunes did not work with those external burners. Mm -hmm. But Apple added support for them. And uh, all of a sudden – it just opened up iTunes big time. Yeah. Now, the iPod obviously was already in the works when Apple released iTunes. That's why they wanted it to begin with. Yeah. They, they saw great code. They wanted to use this, and they knew that this was going ha- to be what you used to sync your content to your iPod eventually. And that's really the strength of what iTunes became, syncing your music to your iPod. That's where podcasting came from because in version 4.0, I'm going to say 2. Um, yeah, it was looking, around then. Yes, right around there. Apple finally put in podcasting support into iTunes, and that was a big deal. I remember Chad Perry and I talking about it in um, 2005 that Apple finally has added iTunes or podcasting support and we were podcasters, and oh my God, thank God this is going to happen because we thought it was going to be a – that's what's going to open the floodgates. And we were absolutely right. That is well, what it, opened the floodgates. It because, because it, first of all, it, it put podcasts in a place where, you know, kind of non-techy people could see 4. them. 4.9, by the way. Right. Yeah. Because um, I was listening to podcasts before they did that. And, it, and you know, and, and it did put them kind of right front and center where all of a sudden you had a – a separate content stream and Apple was very clever about it because they they didn't host all the podcasts themselves but they kind of allowed the iTunes store to read the feeds yep. and route you to them without you know actually taking them all on um, and uh, you know it, it gave you a much a, a central place to search for podcasts which before that you didn't have there were several big repositories of podcasts but as a podcaster you had to make sure you were updating you had to everybody choose one or you had to update everybody exactly yep. and then of course to actually download the podcast you had to either do it manually through a web page or an rss feed or you had to have you know we used to have programs called podcatchers that were dedicated to just downloading podcasts and you download them to your computer and then you want to point them to your local copy of iTunes so, and, it, and import them into your iTunes library so you could sync them to an iPod. Yep. And it was a real clunky it was a real clunky affair. And, and once it all came into iTunes, it all became so easy. It also, um, though, I mean, I, I still believe that no one company should have the dominance and distribution like that um, because they can make or break you. If they decide they don't – oops, sorry, hit the mic there. If they decide they don't want your content – then you basically don't exist anymore. Really? Yeah, that's, well, it's the double-edged sword, isn't it? I mean, for an awful lot of podcasts, particularly, you know, smaller niche topics, um, they can't build an audience without being an iTunes. That's right. Because that's where the audience is. And and if they tried to, you know, suppose somebody had a particularly controversial set of topics they like to talk about, I don't whatever it might be um, you know, free speech allows you to do that and podcasting allows you to, to, to build an audience, but it might be something that, you know, I suppose you've got a, a, a podcast that's, that kind of, you know, likes to rail against 
public figures such as uh, you know all, all sides of the government or something that might be something that um, you know if it became extremely controversial Apple might not want to promote through the uh, iTunes store and yet you still want to get it out there but to to actually build up an audience doing something like that without being an iTunes would be very very, very difficult. difficult absolutely when we got into the the podcasting directory right at the beginning with iTunes um, I saw a huge uptick in listeners yeah, I mean, it, it was massive. The number of people that were finding us because of iTunes was tenfold over what we had before. And I'll be honest, I think Apple has been very fair and very with all the podcasting uh, community out there because they don't they didn't have to do this and they don't have to continue to do this. Apple doesn't make any money at all. And the podcasting but, section of iTunes. Well, it, it, no, it doesn't, except that the re- – and, of course, the reason it did it is because the more content there is for people to listen to on iPods, yep. the more iPods they sell. Absolutely. So, uh, and, and that is you know, the secret of the success of the iPod. But is at this date and time, it, it's not depending on, on podcasting to, to get a lot of people to buy iPhones now. I mean, no, it isn't. But, you but know they're what? still if they doing pulled, it. If they, if they pulled the podcast section – There'd be a huge uproar. Yeah, there'd be a huge uproar because yep. the millions and millions of people, you know, rely on on the iTunes um, application and the and the iTunes store to get those podcasts. Well, you know, I want. I've always given Apple credit um, for the way they did embrace the podcasting community. They did, and no other big company it, see, did it back it then. Was, and and it was early. I mean, it wasn't. It was very you early. Know, they, they they were kind of non-mainstream at the time. I mean, it was they were approaching a tipping point. But um, it, was, it was 2005. It was June of 2005, David. That was yeah. exactly, almost exactly a year when podcasting was invented. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Absolutely. And, uh, and we, you, we've got them to thank for that. And, and you are right. And I, I, know, I know it's fashionable to decry Apple and, and saying that, you know, they, they, they have moral standards and, and they, they don't like let this in and they don't let that in and that sort of thing. But you're right in that they I think they do understand the concepts of free speech and they, they don't they don't sent really censor what, what goes on in the app store. I mean in the uh, in the podcast section or even the music section for that matter. Yep. What they do want to be able to do is flag up to people so they know what they're getting. They don't want you to you know if you're if you're um if your content is listed with with swearing or, or sexual imagery or that sort of thing, they want to make sure that the listeners know that. But um, I, don't, I don't think there's an awful, apart apart from you know real hardcore pornography and that sort of thing. I don't think they really censor what goes into the uh, into the uh, iTunes store. Well, they do approve of- everything. So I mean, it's just it's not the wild west. But from what I've seen, there it's. You can have a show, I Hate Apple, and they're still going to list it. I mean, yeah, and that says a lot to me. It really yeah, does. Absolutely. Yeah. So with um, as popular as iTunes was for the Mac users, it wasn't until they opened it up to Windows. And that's when it exploded. That was at version 4.2. And the reason they opened it up to Windows is because they released an iPod that worked with Windows. Yeah, and that's when everything changed for Apple. <laughs> as popular as the iPad may or may not have been for Mac users, as many iMacs, candy-colored iMacs, were selling at the time for Apple, it wasn't until Apple opened up iTunes and the iPod to window users, and it exploded. I yeah. mean, think back, David, to that time where commercials all of a sudden they had the white earbuds. And the cords going down, and it almost became a fashion statement to have an iPod. It, it's true, I, and it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't just the um, the Windows version of the iPod. The importance that was. I mean, I I had one of those, uh, um, a ten gig one. Um, the problem with it was it, it had it still used FireWire. Yep. It was formatted for Windows, still used FireWire, and if you didn't have a FireWire, not many PCs had FireWire back then, <laughs> and it wasn't going to work. I remember having a um, – my I bought one, uh, and I, I got a FireWire PC card for my laptop so that I could sync it. Yep. Because that seemed to me to be the easiest solution rather than kind of breaking up a desktop PC and putting in a PCI card and that sort of thing. Um and that kind of worked really well. But it was a while after that before they went to USB. It was really only once things like the Shuffle came out 
Um, you know, and, and I think the shuffle also helped to stimulate the Windows side of, of iTunes because the shuffle was a pure USB device. Yep, and that uh, was what version four point seven one when they yeah. That's when and it was like January two thousand and five that came out. Yes, wasn't it? absolutely. And the shuffle was huge. I mean, it was what a, a ninety nine and one hundred forty nine or one twenty nine one something like that. It was not expensive initially. I no, mean, nowadays you could get them for $50, <laughs> but it, yeah. it looked like a stick of chewing gum, the first iPod Shuffle. But boy, those were, I loved the iPod Shuffle when it first came out. I had one. I still I still love the Shuffle. I, I think the current Shuffle is still, um, you know, they've kind of evolved it, and, and the, where it is now is actually pretty much a perfect uh, a screenless MP3 player. Yep. Um, you know, because they have the voiceover, in the, from the previous version when they didn't have the controls that's now kind of built in but they still have some controls on the front it's absolutely tiny um, you know it's a great device I'm looking at the timeline uh, video support came in at version 4.8 podcasting at 4.9 and with 5 that's when they pretty much uh, exploded the the store so you could start buying movies and TV shows and that's really when iTunes became something more than just music, just audio. And now we yeah. skip ahead, and we come up to the current version, David. We're at version, as we record the show anyways, 10.1.1. And as great as iTunes is now, it's almost too big, if that makes sense. It's, it almost needs to be broken up at this point. Um. But I don't know how they would do that because all the content that's still there syncs with your mobile devices because you have to have app support in iTunes. You have to have music, movies, and television. You still have to have the podcasting support. Books as well now. Books as well. I don't know where Apple would go to remove some of these things from iTunes to make it quicker and better and more stable. Um, well, I, I I wouldn't. I mean, it's iTunes is such an iconic brand now, um, and it's something that every user of an iPod is is deeply, deeply familiar with it, love it or loathe it. I would imagine that that if Apple were what Apple will do with uh, iTunes is they will kind of break it up internally um, to give the performance and the stability improvements that it needs, um, but they will still pres- be presented with the front end interface that will evolve gently over time so whatever's going on the back whether they break it up into separate applications there'll still be the common front end that that kind of runs everything david you both uh i should say we both own iphones and ipads yeah you're in itunes and you decide oh you know what i want to plug in my iphone to sync the latest podcast so you plug it in and what happens itunes just starts crawling yeah it's barely responsive that needs to change. And we've got yeah. fast computers, too. It's not like we're on you know, a G5 or something. These are fast computers that we're using. And what I tend to do as well, because I, I don't plug my iPad into my computer very often, um, but I, my iPhone's plugged in every day. And, and I always use an iPod, uh, iPod Nano at home for listening around the house because most of my speakers aren't shielded from the iPhone. Right. So um, I tend to use... And also I want to make sure that when I leave the house, my iPhone is fully charged, so I don't want to be using it too much in the house. So, so I have a Nano as well. Um, when I plug those, one of those devices in, particularly with the iPhone, um, I need to be able to sync it. But, you know, it takes, takes a, a few minutes to sync an iPhone nowadays, particularly a 32 gig one like I have. Um, so I will... Um, I will normally start watching a, a, a video a podcast while I'm waiting for it to finish syncing. And it's so annoying because as soon as stutter it stops stop, downloading, stutter yeah, as soon as it starts downloading things or uh, gets the end of one of the processes it's doing with the iPhone, yeah, you, then you get the stutter and the, and the click and all that. And the latest version, annoyingly enough, there seems to be a bug in it that if you're halfway through a podcast or a piece of music, and you, and you sync, sync. It forgets that you were there. It forgets that you were there and yep. with the iPhone, and you go to start listening. It's oh, it's annoying. Yes, I've had that issue too. <laughs> that needs to be fixed. It's, yeah, it's a it's a bug, but you know it's annoying when you're you know half, an hour into an hour and a half podcast, and then you sync it to your iPhone, and then you get in the car and you find the thing starts from the beginning again. I wonder <laughs> how many drive. people. At, yeah, and you're like, I've really listened to this, so then you got to kind of move through the timeline and. 
Oh, yeah. too far. Hit back 30 seconds, back 30 seconds, back 30 seconds. Ugh. Um, I wonder how many people, Apple will never release these numbers, I'm sure, actually use iTunes on a daily basis to either sync or download or buy uh, music, TV, apps, podcasts, books. I. What do you think, 100 million? Oh, easy. Yeah, 200 million? If I would imagine, yeah, if you looked at the, I mean, they're selling nearly what, 80 million iPods and iPhones a year. Yes, but then you can't assume uh, so, that that's a brand new user to iTunes, though. No, well, I don't think it is, but I would imagine that, that you know, incrementally over time, if you look at, the, if they've sold that, whatever number they've sold every year, a certain percentage of those will be new users. So if you look at over the 10-year life of the iPod now nearly, um I would yeah, it's probably more than 200 million maybe 250 300 billion people wow that's amazing I wonder if any other piece of software is that popular other than maybe internet well, Windows yeah Windows some of the stuff built into Windows probably but I'm talking maybe. about yeah just consumer basically consumer yeah. software I, I I think you almost have to take a web browser out of it because well not really though I don't know it's extremely browsers, popular. Yeah, browsers are going to be more. <laughs> mail clients are going to be more. You know, but it, it's definitely part of the toolkit. Um, or it's, you know, for most people, if you have a computer, you expect to have a browser. You expect to have a mail client. You may expect to have a, you know, a kind of a, a social networking client, perhaps something like that. Right. Um, but you expect to have some sort of media management device, uh, media management software. So iTunes um, is ten years old, David. I think it's come a long way. I think it's been true to its roots, and I can't wait to find out where it's going to be at version 20. I mean, and we're only 10 years away, so we'll still be podcasting, I'm sure. <laughs> Remember when we did this? Yeah. When it was 10 years ago, David, and we were talking about iTunes at version 10. And, yeah, and we'll be going, oh, Pete, and we used to talk about oh. individually syncing each device <laughs> one at a time. How old school is that? The cable, no less. Oh, and look, David, they didn't even have 3D support there. Wow. Jeez, yeah. We'll see, I guess. So we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Kindle. Well, in my case, Kindle software. Be right back. If you're a fan of Apple's iOS devices, such as the iPhone, iPod Touch, iPad, and even the Apple TV, please listen to my new podcast called The Pocket Size Podcast. It's available on MyMac.com and, well, even iTunes if you search really, really hard. Anyway, it stars myself, Scott, and my co-host, Peter. And don't forget about me, your loyal and faithful Macintosh computer. You were going to mention me, weren't you? Uh, sure. Pocket Size Podcast is a MyMac.com podcast. Find it at MyMac.com. Thank you for listening. We won't forget you, the little people. You do know that if I could record and edit this entire podcast on my iPhone, I would do it, right? Ouch. That hurts. I'm going into sleep mode now. So, David, the Kindle. Um, Kindle. I have to say, up until about mm, maybe two weeks ago, any reading that I was doing other than you know, Safari and that sort of stuff, was through iBooks on my iPad. And I thought, you know what, this is the be-all and end-all of reading electronic books on a portable device. This is almost perfect. And I, I remember talking to you about this a while back, a long while back, and you were, you were actually fairly skeptical about electronic books to start. I was, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's changed. I'm really, really enjoying it. Pro- maybe more now than I did before. But I wanted to read a uh, recent Star Wars book, and it wasn't available in the iBook store, which honestly is more the norm nowadays. I'm yeah, finding is, that the selection is just crap. Yeah, they, I, it's clear that Apple are struggling to get people to embrace their particular book selling model. Uh, and and yeah, you're absolutely right. The content. I mean, I always check if I want a book if if, if iBooks has it. But you're right; most of the time they don't. And if they do, the price is somewhere between nine ninety nine and fourteen ninety nine. Yeah. That's the average U.S. prices, of course. Mm-hmm. 
But I really wanted this book, so I thought, well, I guess I'm just going to go to Barnes & Noble or whoever, Borders, and just buy the book. And it's a brand new hardcover book, so it's going to run me, you know, twenty four ninety nine probably. Yeah. And I really, I just didn't want the physical book. I really wanted to read this on the iPad because, as you know, driving back and forth to Chicago all the time and sleeping in hotel rooms while I'm there, I got a lot of downtime with nothing to do. I don't want to drag another book with me. I've got the iPad right there. So on a lark, I had downloaded uh, for free, it's a free app, the Kindle app on my iPad. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go to the Kindle store and see if they have it. So I launched the Kindle app. There's a link there to the store, and that actually opens up in Safari. And I thought, oh, what a clunky interface. That's Apple's fault. I know. But let me get to this, though, because it's not a clunky interface. So I did the search for the book. I was looking at it. Sure enough, they had it on the Kindle store for, like, $5. And I'm like, wow, really? Five bucks? And I sat there, and I thought, well, how am I going to – I can't really download it on the iPad. So, hmm. How am I going to do this? So I've got one-click purchasing turned on because I buy quite a bit of stuff from Amazon. Yeah. It's very convenient. Mm-hmm. So I bought the book, and it comes up, how do you want it? Uh, auto delivery to, and it knows that I have an iPhone and an iPad. And it's a little pull-down menu right there on the right-hand side. So I said, send it, auto send it to my iPad. Click purchase, done, launch the Kindle app again, update, boom, there's my book. Right yeah. then. And it was it took nothing to download. And I thought, this is great. This is perfect. The, the, the prices are much better than the iBook store. You don't get the fancy animations to turn the page, but that's only cool for the first four or five pages in a book or showing it off to somebody. After that, just turn the page, get me to my next page. That's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah, the Kindle, the Kindle app on the iPad is is very you know, good, perfectly serviceable. It, it's you know it's fine. Well, what doesn't There's, it do? Well, I think it does yeah. everything. It gives you a bookshelf, so you can see all the books that you own. It gives you the ability to make the fonts mm-hmm. larger or smaller. You can yeah. bright or dim the screen. It gives you everything you could possibly want in just an ebook reader. Yeah. And here's that what what killed me that I just was like, this is perfect for me. This is exactly what I wanted. So. I was thinking to myself, what if I left my iPad at home and I forgot it? And now here I am in Chicago for a couple days. I don't have my book with me because it's on my iPad. Mm-hmm. I knew I could sync it to my iPhone, but that's just too small to read a book for me. It just It's just too small. So I was browsing the App Store on the Mac. Now, this is the Mac part, portion of the App Store. The Mac App Store, if you will. Yeah. There's Kindle for the Mac, a free download. So I downloaded it, signed into my account, and there was my book. And there was the last page that I... The last page. It remembered where I was on the iPad. Oh, my God. Is this perfect or what? This is exactly what we want, David. It's kind of like going back to what you were saying about iTunes. When you get to your car, it remembers the last time you listened to it, and it picks up right... Or at least it should. Yeah. Oh. I, no, I agree. Um, what Amazon have done is they have built a complete ecosystem. I think this is where they've been really clever. Because had Sony done this, and Sony, I had a Sony reader. I had one of the early Sony readers. Um, I remember. It been, yeah, the thing was the thing was DRM'd up to the hilt. Yep. Um, it was very difficult to get non-Sony books into it. Uh, it didn't have any wireless. It was only cables. You had to use proprietary software. Um, there was the website was terrible. Very small selection of books. You couldn't download the books to the device, except you had to download them to your computer and then sync the computer to your device in order to get them on there. It was it was just a nightmare. It really didn't work very well. It was very very clunky, very techy, very. Um, um, it was kind of intimidating to a non-technical user. Not consumer-friendly at all. Not consumer-friendly at all. Now contrast that with the Kindle. The current Kindle. I think is probably if you don't want the complexity of a computer, you know, the iPad is a computer. Let's face it. Oh, yeah. You don't want to spend the money on a computer if all you're interested in doing is reading books. One hundred twenty-nine dollars. Yet the current Kindle, Wi-Fi Kindle, is perfect, absolutely perfect. The price is right. You just mentioned um, the price of a new hardback book is twenty-five dollars. So the price of the electronic reader is only like four or five of those books. Yep. 
and you're saving yeah. significant amount of money when you buy the electronic. This is a brand new Star yeah. uh, Star Wars book that had just come out less than a month exactly. before. Yeah. That was it was literally it was like five ninety five the Kindle version. Yeah. Oh. Now, the reason you can't the reason you can't buy uh, inside the Kindle store from within the Kindle app is an is an Apple restriction. They don't l- allow you to access your own uh, e-commerce sites from inside an application in the App Store. You think that's going to change? Have, you think Apple's well, going to change that eventually? I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know whether they need to because, as you found out, it's not so much of a hindrance. At least not um, for Kindle, but yeah, I mean, if I wanted to buy music somewhere else other than the iTunes store, I can guarantee yeah, you I, that would I be much more difficult. I don't see them doing music. I can imagine that that limitation will stay just to give them their slight competitive advantage. Um, but the thing is, on the Kindle devices, you don't have that limitation. You can buy the books there and then. And you have, if you have the, the 3G wireless versions, where the 3G, by the way, is free... Uh, no sims to worry about nothing like that you just basically the thing is set up when you receive it and it works internationally wow um, you can just buy the book straight there on the device now I bought a Kindle for my father um, last year he's not really very technical he has an iPod touch that he uses for email doesn't really buy much content on it he just tends to use it as a as an email and a web browsing interface um, now it, it obviously yeah, as you say, he, I wasn't going to get put book, book, electronic books for him on there because the, the iPod Touch is just too small for that. But I, he didn't. He expressed an interest in readers, uh, and when I got my iPad, I actually was going to sell my Sony reader, and he said, "Oh well, well, you know, can I have a try with it if you're not going to be using it?" But he never bought any books for it because the process was too hard. So we got him a Kindle and set the account up for him and I showed him how to buy books on it and he's just not looked back and, and you know he's, he's now buying loads of books on it and he absolutely loves it it goes everywhere with him and that's because for a dedicated book device that's just right for him he won't be interested in an iPad but as a dedicated book reader it's great you know uh, and for those of us who do have these multiple devices the fact that you can move your entire book library between all these different devices because uh, Amazon support pretty much everything at this point um, means that you're not you're not worried you're tying yourself down to a single platform. If you want to change your reader from a Kindle to an iPad, you can do that. You've still got access to all your books. Let me uh, tell you about a book I'm reading right now before we wrap up this episode, David. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the author is Richard Phillips. I'm reading, it's called The Second Ship. It's book one. I don't know how many books there are all together. Uh, there is a book, too, but I haven't got that one yet. This was 99 cents, and it came out March 16th, 2009. Right? So this is not like an old book. Um, I'm really enjoying the book. It's basically about, uh, you remember the whole story of Area 51, Roswell, all that? Yeah. They It takes the premise that that actually happened, that a spaceship actually did crash. And... I'm so sick of those kind of stories, to be honest. You know, I thought, oh, this is some journalist finds out the truth or some crap like that. Couldn't be farther from the truth. I'm sick of those types of stories. I'm sick of those kind of books. This isn't one of those books. Um, As the name, I won't give this away because it kind of describes this at the beginning. And so I'm not really giving it away because it doesn't. This is what the story is basically about. No spoilers. There's a uh, a ship that the U.S. government has. The president, the administration finally decides to come clean with the world and start sharing the technologies. That's the premise of, so it takes away the mystery of, ooh, Area 51 and all that kind of crap. The cool part is there's a second ship that nobody knows about until these three teenagers in high school find it. That's what the story's about. It's more about the second ship. And uh, I, I don't want to give anything away. 99 cents on the Kindle store. I'm about halfway through it right now. And I, I think it's really, really good. The next book is already out, book two, and it's $3.99. Really? So I, I'm enjoying the crap out of this. I'm going to co- pay five bucks for two books, David. That are to me are really good so far, and, and again, the, the thing that, that we were talking about with podcasts about being able to find these things. The fact is that 
that let's face it in the real world in the traditional you know paper bookstore world you probably never would have found that book let never buy it and read it never now, and <coughs> taking that a could, step far, farther david people listening to the show i bet at least a hundred people listening to the show will buy that book because of my recommendation yeah. right I'm, there. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. Well, at least <laughs> <You> one <know. laughs> then. Yeah. And the thing is, is the convenience of being able to do that. Now, you know, authors may complain that at 99 cents, that's kind of devaluing the content, but those, that's a lot of sales they otherwise wouldn't have got. And if you're writing a series of books, you know, you get people hooked on the first one, they'll buy the others as well. Here's the thing, Dave, there's a lot of free ebooks up there too. There's a oh let me go back to my Kindle app here. And this was absolutely free. I didn't pay a dime for any of these. Uh Star Wars Lar- Lost Tribe of the Sith. There was five books. They were absolutely free. I don't know if they're any good or they're horrible yet, but they were free. So what do I care? Yeah. I downloaded those. By the way, the other book that I bought that I was looking for was Fate of the Jedi, uh the Vortex book. Um this is how fast you could buy a book using the Kindle app. So I found the next book in the series that I want. It's called Immune, by the way. So I click it, click the title, brings up the page. Now, I'm also doing a podcast and Skyping with you at the same time. But right on the right-hand side, it says, buy now with one click, deliver two, and it says Tim Robertson's iPhone or Tim Robertson's iPad. So I go iPad, buy now with one click. I just clicked it. Now, oh, i got to sign in. <laughs> Do you, Okay, signed in. If it's one click, then why do I have to sign in? You know who I am. <laughs> um, then it asked me which credit card I want to use. I'm going to use that one. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that one. Click continue. So much for one click, right? Yeah, I don't know why it's done that because I've just done the one click and I, I'm looking at the book right now. Right. It's downloaded it straight down to my iPad. So then it says uh, your order has been placed. Click on the button below to open Kindle for iPad and automatically download the book to your home screen. So you can click this button in Safari. It launches the Kindle app. I'm at done. It's already downloaded that fast. So I just spent five bucks for these two books. Really enjoying it. Um, I think if you like this show, the kind of content we talk about, you'll probably like this book. (laughs) It's, It's right up our alley in the listener's alley. This is the kind of stuff that we kind of enjoy and it's well written. It's very fast paced. It doesn't bore you with too many details. That's not central to the story. So yeah, that's always nice. So there's what only is- one. Yeah, there's only one downside I want to say about using an iPad for for reading books. Go ahead. Uh, and that's bec- the 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 one the only the only one negative I have, and this goes for magazines as well, is when you pick up your iPad, you have so many choices about what to do. Oh yeah, if you're if you're. OCC or, or ADD, yeah, there you go. Well, even, even if you're not, the, the problem is if you pick the iPad up, you can play software, you can play games, you can watch video, you can listen to music, you can browse the internet, or you could read a book. Or, and sometimes you can just kind of, you know, not really know what to do or, de- or default to kind of fooling around with it rather than, whereas, you know, if you have a physical book, you have the book with you, that's what you're going to do. But, you know, so the, does, the opposite works too, David, in that, uh, for the last two days, the only thing I've been doing with this $599 iPad is read a 99-cent book on it. <laughs> so that kind of seems uh, – really? Just, just, yeah, just bear that in mind. Though. If you are easily distracted, then um, you may, you may uh, have to force yourself to, to get some of this great content. So, David, we've got one more show next week before the Macworld Expo. I know you won't be in San Francisco this year. Um, That's not – yeah, that's that's a bummer. We'll f- try to figure out how to get you on the show. I know that Gaz has been talking to Guy over on the MyMac side about doing a show as well. So I don't know. Maybe you and Gaz should get together and do either a MyMac show or a tech fan uh, for one day during the Macworld Expo and kind of give your perspective from the outside looking in. That might be, yeah, cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Talk to. I don't care if it's a tech fan or a MyMac. It'd be up to you guys. It could be a tech Mac. A tech Mac. Ooh. What about a Mac fan? (laughs) Someone probably owns that already. Yeah. (laughs) I'll probably get three emails. Yeah, there's a Mac fan podcast. What are you talking about? It's much better than yours. They don't ramble on forever. 
So, <laughs> so we'll be back next week with uh, probably Friday, maybe Thursday, it's whatever works for you, David. I'm I'm good either one of those days. And uh, that one will be kind of looking forward to the MacWorld Expo, and we're also going to kind of look back at the history of MacWorld Expo and ask an important question, which we're not going to be able to answer, but. Is the days of expos and conventions over? Do we still need that? Has the internet supplanted that yet? So we're going to answer to that question in our own opinion, of course, next week on Tech Fan number 15. So for David, my name is Tim. We'll see you then. See you then. <laughs>